electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Claire Odumodi. Today on Squawk Pod. Inside the week that was Wall Street's busiest in years, Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin reunited. Oh, goodness. I've had people appealing for me to, God, get back there as soon as you can. It's, it's off the rails. The brewing banking crisis. Preach some personal responsibility. That's what we've been talking about all week. The dramatic saves. At least Wall Street is stepping up. They're heroes. Wall Street to the rescue. And the critical choice facing America's Federal Reserve now. I think that Jay Powell's great conundrum next week is, do I go to, he's not going to go 50. Do I go 25 or not? If I'm going 25, am I going for the right reasons or the wrong reasons? Diagnosing the cause for alarm with Lazard's Peter Orzak. Here's the problem. Writ large, the regional banks have relied on a business model that relied on uninsured deposits. And what's changed after this stunning week? Success has a thousand fathers and failures an orphan. Plus, CEOs making millions trading stocks of competing companies. ProPublica's Robert Fattoreci on what's in never-before-seen IRS records. It's a massive responsibility on our part. We have to be very careful to use this data in a responsible way and to make sure that everything we report is in the public interest. It's Friday, March 17th, 2023. St. Patrick's Day and Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand and by in three, two, one. Cue Andy. Good morning. Welcome to Squawk Box uh, right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Joe Kernan. Becky's off today. Welcome back, sir. Nothing's happening. You, you miss nothing. The S&P's at, at 3960. It's down you, 1% from the, the, we know why the 10 year was stubborn now, don't we? What's the Fed going to do? Finally, someone, you know, they, you had to shake them say, look, you guys, your actions have consequences. Oh, goodness. We're going to have a lot. Uh, we're going to have a lot going in the next three They're hours. still going to go 25, probably. I think? think we will. But we're going to talk all about this. And what why the can't we talk about it now? We got three out. Because we got the U.S. We the futures talk. aren't doing anything. They're barely moving at all. They're up 26 points or so. How about that two-year? You ever see a move like that in your entire life? So, hold on. Since we're, since we're, it sounds like you want to get into it at <laughs> No, at I don't care. No, no. I, I'm fine. I'm relaxed. You, I'm not tired okay, like you, you are. Really, cranky. It's a long week because I've been working. Um, do you? <laughs> hello. Yeah, you're doing a heck of a job. Uh, thanks. Uh, heck, heck of a job, Brownie. Um, so you blame the Fed for what happened no, 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 no. at SVB? No, 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 no. not what I said. I just said that, that, that actions do have consequences. I blame maybe the Fed going back further. If you, if you have no reason not to invest in all kinds of wacky stuff, then when you're at zero for so long, things like this happen. You have a bank that funds a bunch of right. non-profitable but, crap that eventually comes back. And then they thought they could put 80% in treasuries at the lowest yields ever and but, thought that but, was going to work because they didn't know how to they were managing climate risk but they weren't managing oh, interest rate the risk the point though is preach some personal responsibility that's what we've been talking about all week on the show 
That's you, what you've been talking I about. Have been. I haven't seen it, so yes. I, I, I missed that. The personal responsibility. Who, 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 who is, is that? Don't you think that if you are an executive running a bank, yeah. whether you're uh, First Republic, whether you're SVB, let's not uh -huh. put them necessarily in the same category, but at the right. moment they're in, in somewhat in. Who, which person are you talking about? The, CEO, the executives? No, the point is yes. If you are, yes, people made these choices, but it's not the fault. To sit around and say it's the fault of the Fed. No, make, I'm not it, saying it's fault of the Fed, but it, it makes it more difficult for them to do their job at this point. Well, it makes it more difficult because we have people who are making terrible decisions. But then the question is, who's supposed to make the? Are you supposed to make decisions knowing that other people are going to make terrible decisions? You haven't pointed one finger at the San Francisco Fed. I mean, I look. I think there's. What a do we have regulations for if you can't go in and see? Wow, they got 80 percent in long-term bonds. There's a supervisor. 80 percent. There's a supervisory issue. There's not a question about that, but. You know what the San Francisco we, Fed's been focused on? Oh, climate risk. Oh, my yeah, God. Climate oh, this, risk. Oh, my God. That's what, we, 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 not, I, not interest rate risk. They're worried about, they're worried about climate risk. Hey, you let know, me ask you. Do you will all the employees at, oh at, at Silicon Valley Bank, will they celebrate when we get to net zero when they have no job and there is no, there is no Silicon I, Valley Bank left? So much. So <laughs> Let's much. go. Wall Street. At least Wall Street is stepping up. They're heroes. Wall Street to the rescue of a group of financial institutions has agreed to deposit $30 billion in First Republic in what's meant to be a sign of confidence in the banking system. I don't think overall we have major problems. Do you? Well, I, what I was going to say is we keep looking at SVB and saying that they made these terrible errors. They didn't do a great job, but I still think, and I've said it all week, this is one of the great unforced errors of our time, which is to say, this didn't even have to happen. The, you, there were the mistakes. Were, you know who were in you the know, balance sheet. You know who they were funding. You know you know the way that. Oh, but you, you don't look, think they were doing subprime I, loans to companies that these little tech startups that are. They that got, was not their for, problem. For though. markets, but that, that was not their. This, so they, the, the, the problem like was the bond. Points the problem is from the, the editorial page of the journal. Okay, they, so then the, then they should have had a little bit better risk management and not been in all those long bonds, right? The, the, oh, no other bank is yes. at eighty no, percent. That 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 to the degree that there was a problem. Why was their eye off the, the Why was their eye off the ball though? How can their risk manager not have realized these are historically low interest rates, not going right. to last forever? If the, if interest rates rise and right. everybody saw that okay. saw it coming. Okay. So every, everybody saw the fraud coming. Everybody no. Everybody saw interest rate risk. Everybody okay. saw so everybody, rising interest so rates. Everybody saw it. You had the smartest people in the entire country, supposedly. Where? In the Valley. The depositors of SVB. The what, investment... Because they're VC people? They all have CFOs. They have risk managers. They're telling their portfolio companies, put your money over here. This is where we want you to put your money. The investment community has been looking at SVB for the last year. They have blinders on. The analysts, they all have blinders on. And so we sit around... And the San Francisco Fed. Okay, so, so everybody is, is... Everybody does this, and then, and then we say it's because of the... Because no, uh, 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 the, the Fed the, broke... The, the, the San Francisco the, Fed? I mean, no, come on. No, partly the San Francisco Fed for not, not looking saying, at the book and not realizing that was coming. Failure has a lot of fathers. How many, how many people knew before the San Francisco Fed that there was a problem? Why do you think it was like a, tw a Twitter engendered run on the bank. Why do you think all these VC guys knew there was a problem at the bank? Or, or they the, the, didn't. Pri the private equity people did. The, pri the people that said, get your money out of there quick last week or in the week before when the whole deposit run started. Because they were so ridiculous that they announced a plan without a plan where they had lost money and they the CEO, you, you, I, I, I think you missed it because you were away. 
The CEO literally did a conference call with the depositors. No bank CEO would ever do this. Actually got on the phone and said, we still have to raise this other money. We've stuck by you for the last four years. You should stick by us. Well, what happens when that happens? What was, as we've been talking about all week, this, this, there was like a little smoke. Who's in we? The, there was like you. smoke in the corner of the theater that could have been doused with water for like half a second. But instead, people started screaming fire in a crowded theater. They ran for the exits. This was a, as I said, this, this wasn't like a footfall. This was like a true self-inflicted error. I think they had major problems. It, 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 you can I don't think they had me. You I, can, what was their The major was problem their book, was the run. That what, was right, the major problem. What was their book worth versus what they carried on their balance, what they said it was worth? If you mark to market all those 80% of, of the long-term treasuries. Well, look, this has been... How much money had they lost? So, so they got a $1.8 billion loss just for buying back a couple of bonds that they saw. Right? No, not a couple. $22 billion. Yeah, and they bonds. lost $1.8 billion. That'll get your attention, right. won't but, it? But that was basically where all of, most of the losses were embedded. So the whole, point, the whole point of what they were trying to do at the time, and I have no sympathy for what was happening, but what they were trying to do at the time was effectively uh, get rid of these bonds that had locked them in at these rates so that they get new capital in so they could invest in higher yielding bonds, so they could capture a higher multiple from the stock market. That's what was happening. Right. So why, when, when did the CFO say, or the risk manager said she was leaving? Like it was, she was like sort of on sabbatical for the past six months anyway, right? That, do you think she maybe had an idea that, wow, it was easy to go into these long-term trips. I don't think, I think Why there's do you a think lot they, of conflation about certain facts you know, they, Larry Summers scenario. said it was as simple as the short-term, long-term funding. You can't, you can't, you can't yes, invest long-term at, at, at one rate, and then all of a sudden you've got to borrow. At, right, when the, but that was not about climate why was risk a, or about other Oh, other that's, that's part of it. Crazy that's, just, things. That's, that's part of the keep taking your eye off the ball. And funding, why do you think they funded all these companies? That's where the money is. Right now, after the IR, the Inflation Reduction Act, and all these, we're trying to create an industry and fund all these. This bank was only too happy to fund all these. Indi- the, the, but that there's not their, even a but need. That wasn't their problem. Charging this, but that stations, wasn't, and batteries. Was and, that wasn't. That wasn't what led to. They had to, a lot of problems. No, I think they had one major problem, which what, was no accountability. What is your What is your point? No response. No personal responsibility. That's your That's your answer to what happened. No, it's the, It's there. Look. It can't be that it's the Fed's fault. I'm and if saying, everybody saying, sees what's about to happen I'm with the Fed, when the, and it, you know it's about to rain, and then you're like, we don't have any umbrellas, folks. I'm just saying. It's when, crazy. It's like, it's like we've always said. When the tide goes out, you can immediately see who's not wearing a bathing suit. Fed's got to do what it's got to do. But the Fed is going to break things when they move quickly and think they can do it without impunity. And this is, let me ask it's this. It's not without are they, impunity. It's you, that have other you changed your split. view on whether they're going to 6% now and they told us they're going to do it and they're, go, they're definitely going higher? That would be totally contrary to what you've I been preaching. That we got, we have to figure, I think that Jay Powell's great conundrum next week is do I go to, he's not going to go 50. Do I go 25 or not? If I go 25, am I going to, and if I'm going 25, am I going for the right reasons or the wrong reasons? I could be going at 25 because I don't want to spook the market further, meaning I've already right. said that I'm doing this, so I'm just, it's like extend and pretend the situation, so I'm just going to keep going. Because if I don't do it, is that considered bad news or good news? Or is that actually really bad news? That's the question. It's all I think perception. the real question is whether this is anything, if, 
if these are isolated individual cases, and then you got Credit Suisse and everything, they got, that's also isolated and individual, most likely. And most of the things that, that were done following your last, when you wrote your last book, most of the things are still in place. Maybe not for all the regionals, but for most banks. So we're in much better shape, even though European banks, in terms of capital ratios, are probably in better shape than right. we're in right now. They're, they're much higher. But the other element of this, though, is the ability for, I think this proved, the ability for a bank run is different than it used to be. Because you got Twitter. Because the combination of social media, and it's not just the combination of social media, it's also the combination of the app. To be able to go onto the SVB app, literally from here, you don't have to call your broker, your banker, your anything, you don't have to walk into a, a branch, you literally say, ah, I'm transferring the money over here right now. How about, we Instantly. haven't talked about, this is, this is more. This is the first of an era. Do you think the, do you think, the moral hazard is now. Once again, all the fat cat VC guys get covered. Why? We are privatizing, uh, socializing Why, the losses, though? privatizing the games. Why do these again? guys, these special guys, get this special treatment at this point? How about if you stay at zero? You tell me. We had the pandemic. We had when, the, we had the financial the taxes. Should we have? Should we have had no cost, no real interest rates, no reason not to lend money freely to people that don't deserve it? Should we have had such low credit? Uh, standards because we were at zero for so long. You don't you don't ascribe any blame to the Fed in that regard. I think that. From the, I look, I would have wanted as we've talked about. It, I think they, I would have liked to see them raise, raise interest rates sooner than they did. Obviously, there they, needs they to made be, mistakes in terms need, of in, in terms of how the of how quickly this was really going to happen. This obviously wasn't transitory. There needs there needs to be risk in investments. So that shouldn't be zero risk. And also, okay. when you lose, you right. need to lose. Okay. So what do you say to all of the people who have two hundred more than they have two hundred fifty one thousand dollars? I think it would have been bad you, if we didn't. That was a lot of money. I don't know what would have happened if, if it didn't if this didn't happen. But do you think taxpayers really never get hit with this? No, oh, of course they do. One way. Or, and, and they then, don't get it, they don't get hit with it necessarily in the context of additional taxes. What they're going to get hit with is the context of higher interest rates and banks right. loaning them less well, money in the future and higher FDIC insurance premiums to the banks, which then get put on you. That's what's going to happen. The inflation that the Fed is dealing with, which caused the dislocations, was all due to overspending, too, from more from one party than the other. Welcome back from vacation, Thank you. Joe Kernan. Thank you. It's, uh, I've had people appealing for me to God, get back there as soon as you can. It's, it's off the rails. Um, I don't know. Who, who'd you I have mean, on? All Democrat? What did, that's what people were talking What happened this week? Did you, were, were you? We had some of the best shows we've had <laughs> in years. Yeah, yeah. That's what my people say. Cheese will be next. Coming up, Peter Orzag, Lazard's CEO of Financial Advisory and former head of the Office of Management and Budget on this week's shocks to the economic system and what it means for the Federal Reserve's battle against inflation. When you go fast on price stability, you break things. And another Wall Street rescue. What happened yesterday is not quite 1907, but it is still, a, I think, a shot in the arm of confidence. Squawk Pod is back right after this. I'm Cindy Lauper. My psoriasis was all over, even on my scalp, which may mean four times the risk for psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix works on both. 
Cosentix secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis 300 mg dose and adults with active psoriatic arthritis 150 mg dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB, serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections. Some fatal have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or one 1- 844-COSENTIX. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with P. Jim, a leading global asset manager. This is SquawkPod from CNBC at the end of one very busy week. Two banks collapsed, a third rescued, and central banks from Washington to Zurich and beyond boosting a shockingly troubled banking system. So what happens this weekend? Let's get back to Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Wall Street to the rescue. A group of financial institutions has now agreed to deposit $30 billion in First Republic in what is meant to be a sign of confidence in the banking system. Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Citigroup, and J.P. Morgan, they're going to contribute about $5 billion apiece. Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley will deposit around $2.5 billion each. And true as PNC, U.S. Bancorp, State Street, and Bank of New York Mellon, they're going to deposit about $1 billion each. Deposits obligated are obligated, I should say, to stay at the bank for at least 120 days. So there's still some nerves and questions about whether that bank is ultimately going to get taken over uh, in the next several days and weeks. We're going to talk to Peter Orzag maybe in just a moment about that. Uh, take a look at some of the other regional banks, though, as well. You're looking at Comerica, uh, Keycorp. Uh, you know, PacWest Bancor down another 5%. Western Alliance and uh, I've been wondering all week whether there's uh, not some more work to be done behind the scenes when it comes to the government trying to do some, I was hoping not shotgun marriages. I thought that we were going to have a little bit of support for all of this so they'd have a little bit of time. But uh, I think there's going to be a busy weekend, folks. I do. And sticking with uh, troubled banks, a Bloomberg report says Credit Suisse and UBS are opposed to a forced combination. It says UBS would prefer to focus on its own wealth-centric standalone strategy, and Credit Suisse wants time to pursue its turnaround strategy. And a takeover of Credit Suisse by larger rival UBS was one of the options reportedly being considered this week before the Swiss government's emergency lifeline. We got some breaking news. Uh, SVB Financial filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in New York. This just literally happened uh, within the last three minutes. Our next guest, we should say, uh, was on the show exactly one week ago when news was breaking about Silicon Valley, its bank, uh, the impending demise. At that time, his initial assessment was that the FBC situation was potentially dangerous. I want to talk to you more about that. Now we've got the bankruptcy. Um, I don't know how, I don't think the bankruptcy unto itself is dangerous, but where do you think we are? I, I, I want to sort of pull this forward. Peter Wurzak uh, is here as the CEO of a financial, advisor, uh, fi- financial advisory at Lazard, of course, uh, former director of the Office of Management and Budget under uh, President Obama. But First Republic, yep. is there a firewall? Do you think we're playing dominoes? Where, where are you in terms of we were talking, looking at Comerica, Key Corp, uh, you know, PacWest, Western Alliance? What do you think is about to happen here? 
Well, first, what happened yesterday is not quite uh, 1907, but it is still, a, I think, a shot in the arm of confidence in terms of significant deposits being uh, moved into First Republic. But here's the problem. Writ large, the regional banks have relied on a business model that, that relied on uninsured deposits. Right. And so I think what, here's what needs to happen at this point. The government needs to make explicit what I think a lot of people are assuming, which is that for the foreseeable future, uninsured deposits don't exist. Everything's insured. Now, uh, they can't do that technically. They don't have the power to I do it. So I, what do you do? What you can do is you can come out and say, we are going to propose legislation to do that. And in the meanwhile, we anticipate that if there were any other problems, we are going to do the same thing. In other words, signal ahead of time. And do you and think practice, there will be bipartisan support for that kind of protection? Because invariably no. it creates another form of moral hazard. I mean, my, look. I don't think so. I, let me, can you I don't think, think what? I don't think it creates moral hazard. The moral hazard argument that depositors are supposed to be diligencing their banks, I think, is mostly bogus. Most of that responsibility... It's the moral hazard is on the executives who then may take remarkable risk with depositors' money. Okay, but at that point, what we need is equity and bondholders who are paying attention and regulatory and supervisory uh, roles that are, do, uh, you know, that are doing their job. And that's the other piece. There is going to be a lot more regulation and super, supervision of re regional banks. Okay, let me ask you, and I don't know if this is going to be a provocative question. I'm, I'm gonna, I, it's going to be unpopular what I'm about to say. I love the idea of community banks, and I love the idea of regional banks. I love the idea of the connection that they have and their ability to lend and do things for the community. There is an argument, an economic argument, that actually we have way too many banks in this country. That we actually shouldn't have uh, you know, hundreds of banks, that maybe we should have a handful of banks from a just both pure efficiency perspective and actually the ability to protect the deposit base and everything else. You look at Canada and other places. What do you think of that? Well, I think you're mixing two things. One is most of the number of those banks are, are not the, the mega regionals that yep. we're really talking about yep. here. Yep, we're so talking about the small guys. The really small guys. I think, look, the other, the other question is, and this is both a political and an economic argument, is do you want to wind up with a banking system that is entirely the GSIBs, just the major banks? That's, that's what you're talking about. Well, that's a question. But, but that, that's not just an economic argument. There's a political... No, I know. That's why I'm asking you the question. Oh. Well, I think the fact of the matter is if we don't, if we don't wind up uh, insuring all deposits, and even if we do, you're going to see continued flow of uh, deposit concentration in the GSIB. So gradually, you're going to wind up at least evolving towards the world that you're right. highlighting. You know, there's going to be a lot of blame that's going to go around. We were talking about in the last hour when you look at uh, SVB. How do you analyze it? Do you say this was the fault of management? Obviously, uh, there's questions about the Fed. There's questions about the supervisors uh, in town. There's the uh, you know San Francisco Fed uh, board itself. There's you could I mean some people have looked at actually uh, some of the venture capitalists who were the depositors who were you know screaming on Twitter you get your money out before before the fire was the fire. When when we look back at this, where's the blame going to lie? Well, you know, the saying success has a thousand fathers and failure is an orphan. I, I think we're kind of in this mode where everyone's going like this. The short answer is there were multiple failures here. I don't want to pontificate on exactly the allocation of them. There's going to be a careful assessment of that, which is what should happen. But clearly there were multiple different causal right. factors here, not just one. Okay, you're Jay Powell. This is all happening. Yep. You have to do something next. You have to say something next week. Do you go 25 basis points? Do you not? 
If you don't, what does the market actually think? Do they go, oh my goodness, things are much worse than we thought? And is that is bad news bad news? Is bad news good so news? I want to back up. There is a, and we've talked, we talked about this before. There is a, I think, in saving, uh, in protecting against bank runs and protecting the financial stability, there is an argument for going hard and going fast and going big. In the price stability mandate, I don't think there is that argument. There should be instead a gradualism test and see, especially because there's a ton of ambiguity about what, still, about what's causing inflation today. Um, and I'll have a right. paper out on that with Robin Brooks uh, of the IAF next week. But, okay. So given that ambiguity, it makes much more sense on the price stability front to kind of go slowly and pause. Myself, you say pause to zero. I mean, pause I to do nothing. I would pause to zero. I hope he, pa- I hope he uh, given what the ECB did, maybe that's going to be particularly challenging for him. So I hope it's at, le- at most 25. And then like the ECB started to hint, maybe a pause thereafter. That would kind of mean that they got it wrong on the way in and on the way out. Two wrongs not making a right. I mean, I think this is the fundamental problem is that they went, they, they, when you go no, fast on price stability, yeah. you break things. You do. You can break things. And, and if it's not, see, I'd like to argue that it's fiscal spending enabled by zero interest rates that cause the inflation. But I probably agree with you to some extent. It's kind of a one-off from the reopening of the pandemic and supply chain and the Russia invasion. And therefore, it's probably is quasi-transitory. And to go as hard and fast and to keep talking about higher for longer, I think they might be wrong about that like they were wrong about transitory. And the important point there is People say, well, the supply chains have, you know, the problems have eased. The evidence suggests, and we'll, we'll have more empirical evidence on this next week, is that the impact on prices, once the supply chains ease, it takes a while. Did to you feature. see this? They, they, someone told them, apparently. Look around. Someone told them Peter, Peter, <laughs> Peter Orzag is here. Hey and they, this is. Wow. I've never seen. What a popular uh, guy. I've, I've never seen. Does that happen? Uh, all the time, you know. Can't go to Starbucks. What did you, as an OMB guy. Yeah. And as a Lazard guy now, yeah. like a ca- like a pseudo capitalist at on. least. Count me as a real capitalist. What did you right? think about? Um, that wasn't too bad, was it? Needling. What do you think about uh, the budget that you saw introduced by the president? Are, are you at least a little cynical about the budget? It's just a just raise taxes here, there, there, here, here. Actually, here. read no- it because I would have said it's not probably worth spending the time. It's it's. That is it's not, not going anywhere. I mean, you have to interpret the but budget. But it does show us what he's thinking about. It's an opening salvo in the debate to come, and that's the other thing that we need to realize. A we're, bad we're, opening we're salvo. From, we're going from the regional bank issue to an issue around Credit Suisse, yeah. and then the next one is the debt limit. So you've got multiple crises that are kind of, you know, the uh, That budget was a crisis. Okay, Joe. I mean, the, nothing's, no consequence comes from that budget, other than the opening salvo in the... Oh, well, that's even more cynical than it what is, I was saying. Th- that's the state of partisanship in, in Washington today. Peter Warzak, thank you, sir. Next on SquawkPod, some CEOs have been making stock trades on their rivals and with very lucky timing. How lucky is too lucky? The ProPublica reporter investigating the IRS records and those suspicious moves, Robert Fatuecci. It's a massive data set, and without a doubt, there are interesting trades we did not catch. I know for a fact there are interesting trades that we have not yet reported. And we talk so much about rate hikes. What about retirement age hike? The move in France to get people to work longer, and they aren't happy about it. Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis, which could lead to psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix treats both. 
Cosentix Ecukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, 300 milligram dose, and adults with active psoriatic arthritis, 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Stand by, Joe. His mic, Q. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan. Along with Andrew Ross Sorkin, Becky is off today. I want to tell you about a new investigation from ProPublica that reveals that some CEOs have been occasionally placing multi-million dollar bets on stocks of direct competitors, according to some never-before-seen IRS records. Joining us right now, the reporter behind that story, ProPublica's uh, Robert Fatechia. Uh, I apologize if I've mispronounced your name, Robert, but I got to tell you, this story was so fabulous. I, I was just so, I was so fascinated by what was happening here. And I don't think people even know about the rules. There's obviously insider trading rules about trading in your own company. But you're revealing that folks are trading in their rival's company in large part because it looks like they probably know what's going on over there. Tell us more. Yeah, so we have obtained this massive trove of IRS data in addition to uh, information about, uh, you know, how the wealthiest Americans are, are, you know, paying their taxes. It also comes with this massive subset of personal stock trading data. Um, and as we started going through it, one of the first things we noticed was time and again, uh, top executives um, across sector, you know, multiple sectors, uh, are trading uh, in their competitors' stock in massive quantities, sometimes with remarkable timing. Um, and so we have, uh, you know, we, we took particular examples to experts, to, uh, you know, uh, former DOJ folks, former SEC folks, and, you know, they're extremely troubled by this because, uh, you know, as, as the CEO uh, of a company, you necessarily at times know non-public information that relates to your rivals and your partners. So... The question, though, is this information that even the IRS uh, doesn't, or the SEC, I should say, doesn't have. Uh, now that it's out, do you think that this should change uh, the rules? Do you think there's a regulatory shift that, that should happen as a function of this? Well, I mean, that's, that's not for me to say. Um, I, I do think that uh, the, the response from folks who were at SEC and DOJ is very interesting. Uh, you know, we talked to the former uh, chief of the criminal fraud section, and he said that if he was still at Maine Justice, he would investigate based on our findings. Um, the former chairman of the SEC told us that, uh, you know, executives at companies just shouldn't be doing this. They shouldn't be trading in companies that they could be, you know, argued to have non-public information about. So, but the question therefore becomes, should this be a, a, a law, a rule that's enforced by the SEC? Should this be self-governed, if you will, by uh, the boards, public boards? By the way, I mean, what we don't know is what's going on in the private market universe, right? Simil I assume a similar thing very well may be happening. Well, I mean, w when you talk about a, a, a new law, I mean, this is something you probably know, but most of the public doesn't. Th there is no specific statute that defines what insider trading is. 
uh, you know, uh, the, the rules around that have mostly been developed by regulators and by uh, judges. And a lot of those you know, rulings have been uh, very defendant friendly and have made uh, insider trading harder to prosecute. And so uh, a, a lot of these trades that we look at, the experts we talked to, they said, you know, they could very well be legal. There are multiple, multiple elements you have to meet, and the definitions of these elements are sometimes very squishy. Robert, I thought to myself, and maybe you're going to think I'm extrapolating in a, in a sort of odd direction, that if you were a shareholder of one of these companies, that you might actually have a fair lawsuit against the CEO for making those trades and effectively misappropriating information that would have been ostensibly uh, to, to benefit the corporation that was used personally. What do you think? Well, I mean, you, you bring a good point, bring up a good point, right? You know, a lot of these executives are, are compensated with stock of their own company, right? And the idea behind that is that you're incentivizing them to want to maximize the profits of your own company. But if you've got, you know, if you're an executive and you've got this secret hedge where you also own shares in your competitor, you've potentially got a conflict of interest there, right? Um, you know, one of our examples is uh, in, it was an executive at a mortgage servicing company. Um, and at the time, uh, one of the big banks was auctioning off uh, rights to hundreds of millions of dollars of mortgages, right? And, uh, you know, these two companies were competing and uh, his company lost out. But very soon before that, uh, he had bought shares in the competing mortgage servicer and its stock skyrocketed. So even though the company lost, he won, took in a huge profit, right. immediately sold the stock. Two quick questions, Robert. One is, do you think you actually were able to catch all of the suspicious trades that existed? It, it appears that what you did was run an algorithm of some sort over all of the, this data trove that you folks have collected to try to identify these things. But there were certain thresholds I think you were using, and so I wondered whether stuff just under the threshold that you think was missed? Uh, you know, we spent a lot of time combing through this data, but it's, it's a massive data set, and without a doubt, uh, there are interesting trades we did not catch. There, there, I, I know for a fact there are interesting trades that we have not yet reported. Right. Uh, we I, have I knew there was more, more stories in the works. I was, I was digging work, for so. a, a little tease for more stories coming. Um, Final question for you, Robert. I'd, Just, I'd love to be back on. There well, are more please, stories We'd love to coming. have you back on. Yeah. Uh, Jesse Isinger uh, and I have been talking about this for, for years. You know, there's a lot of people who uh, read these articles, some of whom may be the subjects of these articles, who say, you know what, this whole thing is so crazy and so unfair. It is illegal uh, to steal IRS information. It, it, and, and, it, and we have considered IRS and tax returns privileged in a way that we almost privilege almost nothing else in this country. Um, I know this was not something that ProPublica unto itself somehow stole. Obviously, someone took it and gave it to you in some way. Uh, but I'm curious how you feel about that. Well, it, it's a massive responsibility on our part, right? You know, we have to be very careful uh, to, to use this data in a responsible way and to make sure that everything we report is in the public interest. I, I think we've met that bar thus far. Robert, uh, I want to congratulate you on the report. Uh, for, folks, uh, for folks out there who have not read it, uh, go check it out. It is worth reading. And uh, if you're a board member in corporate America, it's worth thinking about. Thanks so much.
in France, President Emmanuel Macron is bypassing Parliament and invoking special constitutional powers to raise the country's retirement age. That move uh, puts him at odds with uh, France's legislative branch and millions of protesters who streamed into the uh, Place de la Concorde in Paris yesterday, clashing with police, setting uh, scaffolding on fire. Macron used a contentious provision called Article 49 to push the unpopular pensions bill through the National Assembly without a vote. It raises the retirement age by two years to 64. Government officials said that the change was essential to ensure that the pension system doesn't go bust. Now Macron is facing threats from the far right and far left to hold a vote of no confidence. And if successful, it would force his government to resign and would kill uh, the pension overhaul. I think demographically, we're living longer everywhere. We're living longer everywhere. We're facing some of the same issues here with the same type of um, problems of actually addressing them yep. in a way without really angering people that, that they affect. When, you know, whenever we talk about it, even when we talk, I think we talked about it with, with Vice President Pence. He goes, yeah, we need to, to raise the, the age of when you start getting these things. You know, not for, not for people now, but like 25 years from now, you can't even say it unless you talk about it with people that are like 30 years old right now. Over in France, they had a good deal, Andrew. They had a pretty good deal. I, did you read some of the articles? These, they vacation in the summer. They, they, the one gentleman was 75. He had been retired for 14 years. Didn't work, hasn't worked a day in the past 14 years. Yeah, some pretty good deals. $70,000 a year, basically, income, and goes to the coast every, every summer, walks the beach every morning. I mean, it's a good life, but... We know that there's not enough. And there's no free life. Not enough, no, not enough dough for everybody. No. That's our podcast for this Friday. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Catch them weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. And you can always get the best parts of our TV show by following Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Have a lovely weekend, and we'll meet you back here on Monday. We are clear. Thanks, guys. Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis, which could lead to psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix treats both. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, 300 milligram dose, and adults with active psoriatic arthritis, 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix.